Hi, everyone. Welcome to OMG Stop. I'm Jamie. I'm Krista. And today we have our first guest. So exciting. My mom, Lori, is here. You know, Krista and I always talk about our careers, how we've pivoted and had to reinvent ourselves over time. And my mom is a great example of that. She's had to reinvent herself a few times, has had career shifts, worked in a job where women were not wanted at one point, and also lived in New York City when it was a little chaotic. Uh, <laughs> so please welcome to the pod, my mom, Lori. Hi, mom. Hello. Thanks Thank for, for having me. On. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks Thank you for being our first guest. I'm very honored. <laughs> yeah. So, Mom, why don't you go and, and start talking about, um, like, where you went to school, if you want to talk about where you went to school, or at least what you studied and how you got into the first industry you worked in after college. All right. Well, I had a rather unique upbringing. I basically was able to roam the halls of 30 Rock because my father was um, a brilliant engineer and designed master control there, worked on many historic um, shows and marches and riots and history and was all over the world. I used to call him my telephone daddy because there was no internet back then. Um, but I loved what he did. And I was the crazy curly haired kid. You put a camera or a microphone near and I just loved it. So I thought when I was a little girl that I'm going to work here one day. Um, I went to school on Long Island and I started high school in the 60s, graduated in the early 70s, just about when women started going to college. I didn't want to be a nurse. I certainly didn't want to be a teacher. And I did not want to be a homemaker to this day. I've never cooked anything in my life and I don't need a kitchen. So I was going to go into television and everyone thought I was a little crazy. Um, my grades weren't that great because I went to school for the social aspect in all honesty, um, but I wasn't stupid. So I did okay. Went to a year of community college, uh, got a pulled a 4-0, transferred to the University of Oswego, had amazing mentors there. Al Roker was there also at the time and um, got a fabulous education, graduated uh, by centennial year 1976, and a few months later moved into New York City after I got a job at NBC, which a lot of people said, of course you did, because your father worked there. However, in 1976, if you were a woman, you had to say, I could type. So I swallowed my pride. I knew how to type. I used to make money in college actually typing uh, papers because there was no computers back then. Um, and I knew, and I figured out a way to make some money. So I became a secretary in one of the offices there and um, was able to move in in the 70s when the city was a pit. I lived on the Upper West Side, which was a very cheap, scary kind of neighborhood. I had friends who used to walk me above 79th Street at night because they didn't even want me going to their apartment on 82nd. Um, <laughs> And I just swallowed my pride and worked as a secretary, but there was something called the EEOC back then, which you girls might not know about. It was for equal opportunity because women were getting paid so much less and having to be secretaries. And we actually had to secretly write checks and not tell our bosses what we were doing or we would probably be fired because we were trying to get equal opportunity on the job. And it was not a fabulous time, but luckily um, I was able to, after four years, get into the union one summer as an intern. And there I got to be back in the studios, which I loved. Um, and I was working on everything from Saturday Night Live 
to some other local shows that they had, but I took the chance that I could get laid off and I did. So there I was in the winter, I think it was like 1979, I'm going to say, and I'm sitting in my apartment in the city feeling very depressed. Um, And I have a best friend who I met through through various other friends who at the time was a fairly large um, television star named Morgan. And we had met and we became friends. We used to fly back and forth to California. Uh, It was a truly and still is after 40 years, a wonderful friendship. And I remember she called me one day and said, what are you doing? It was snowing. I was about to walk up to a hundred and something street to the unemployment office, which was a bit scary at the time. And I said, I'm very depressed. I'm not doing anything. And she said, so come live with me. And I said, why? You just got married. You don't need me. And she said, no, come live with me. And I, she was serious. So I called my girlfriend, sublet my apartment, and I moved to Los Angeles. And it was pretty amazing. Uh, It was a place that I had thought about living. Um, In all honesty, not to get people from LA upset, I just kind of found the valley to be like LA with palm trees. It was nice. (laughs) You guys see why she doesn't want me to move to LA now? No, I, I love a walking city. I like to get out and have the world smack me in the face. I don't want to have to get in my car. I don't want to have to, you know, or if I'm on a bus in New York, I love looking at the people. I like the subways. Um, I like hailing. I like public transportation and or walking. And L.A., I find, especially as if you're single or you're younger, I think it's sort of isolating in a way that it's a suburban city. That's my only point. But I went out there and was in the industry, quote unquote, that feeds that city. I was working a little bit. I got an agent. I auditioned for some incredible shows, almost got a part in a major TV show. It didn't pan out. Um, Stayed for quite a while. And then through a very weird circumstance of missed phone calls from ABC because of a job that I had done at NBC years before, they tracked me down. And I spoke, I was talking to an ABC executive and I helped him out. And in, uh, as a thank you, he said, you know, would you like to come back to New York and possibly work for us? And I said, let me think about it. And Morgan Jack, her husband and I discussed it all. And it was time to, I felt come home. I never felt home with LA. So uh, I did come back, ABC offered me a job. It was only temporary, there was no promises. And I stayed there for quite a while, was a computer graphics animator. And it was very nice, but I also had a target on my back because people thought that I got the job once again because I was my father's daughter and my father was very well known in the union. He was their former president and was an incredible uh, union man. But I had gone to school for theater and communications and I knew what I was doing basically. Um, And it, it worked out, but How did women even get the job that I got was because everything in the industry in large cities is very unionized, you know, and I am a total believer in unions. It was the first time I got equal pay for equal work. And it was, um, you know, wonderful to me. But they asked that women could go into the union because graphics were keyboard based. Mm. It was typing on a computer. So women got in. And because I could type, it was a lot more than that, especially when you had to animate and do other things, but that was the in. 
And when we did things on uh, remote, if women were there and you had to move large equipment or do something and physically we weren't as big, they used to yell, come on, get the broads out of broadcasting, you know, but that was our way in. I felt when I was walking into work that I couldn't believe I was getting paid for it. It was like going into Disneyland. I loved what I did. It wasn't nine to five. I didn't sit at a desk. There were a lot of sacrifices. Um, A lot of my relationships when I was younger got ruined because it was 24 seven. And if you didn't like it, oh, well, no holidays. You could work every day of the week. Um, You know, it wasn't like a Mary Tyler Moore station uh, that might close on a holiday. This was the Big Apple. Um, But if you love what you do, they say you never work a day in your life. So I loved it. I met a lot of people, very famous people, not so many famous people made a lot of friendships, learned a lot, had to let things just slide off your back, let them talk about you. Um, But my dad said, you know, I don't care what you're doing. You go to work, you do a good day's work and, you know, it'll all pay off. And, you know, and it was a a wonderful career. Um, And then I got married later in life and basically, which I would not tell anyone to do, um, (laughs) I quit my job, had a baby and moved. So um, (laughs) at close to 40 years old, um, I found myself back on Long Island, um, a new mom, and ABC didn't have anything with uh, daycare. They made no provisions. The women who worked basically had to drop their kids off or had someone to watch them. I did not. And like make a decision, either have your kid and figure it out or, you know, come back. And we did not work nine to five hours. And uh, it was it was really kind of kooky for me. Um, I was a bit lost for a while, I must say. Um, My daughter was the best thing that ever happened to me, but I didn't, I just didn't know what to do for a while. And then I got into the groove. I don't know if it was my theater background. Um, I also did some voiceover work and TV commercials on the side. I was going to ask like, because you have, well, before SAG and after Emerge, you have a SAG and after card. So like, did you want to go into performing ever versus the behind the scenes of television? Um, I can only audition or do things that I knew would not interfere with my work at ABC. Um, but one time I was willing to even quit. I auditioned for a couple of Broadway shows when you would, could actually walk into some of the offices of these agents before 9-11 and before all the security and drop your, your photo and resume off. And I did have an agent for a while. Um, but I, and I was in three unions at the time. Um, but I kind of got into what they call the golden handcuffs. At first, I didn't really need to be very famous or whatever. I just wanted to be around a TV studio. I wanted to be on a stage. I wanted to do something that fed my soul. But I also realized if you stay at ABC and once I got permanent in the union, adult things kick in like every two weeks I get a paycheck. I have health care coverage now if gosh forbid I get sick. And I did have two major surgeries when I lived in the city and thank God that I had that the health care. Yeah. So I sort of settled in and I did feed my soul. At one point I sang with the band for a little, as long as I was in the TV studio um, working and doing things. And when I was working on Good Morning America, the director was Don King, who is now the director of Saturday Night Live. I was learning so much every day from a master and just loved being around the people there. And live TV is an art unto itself, which not everybody feels comfortable doing. 
Um, and it's like going on stage every day. When they start counting down in the studio and to when you're going on live, it, it, it's a rush. It really is. And that was two hours at the time. Every, you know, I had to be at work at four in the morning, um, working from 4 a.m. to 9 a.m. and then doing post tapes and meeting people like where we would close the studio because Robin Williams was coming. You couldn't, um, you couldn't have him live because he was too dirty, but he was hysterical. <laughs> And he was a genius. And we would all sit around and listen to him and some other celebrities who, unfortunately, you never knew how they would be or what condition they would be in when they came to the studio. We would tape them later. Um, and it was truly a family. Those are the days when David Hartman used to take us out to breakfast and parties. And, you know, they realized that this was not an easy gig to get in at four in the morning and work through the night. And then you also saw heartbreaking things. I covered when the shuttle blew up. I, they called me back to work that day. Um, I had just gotten home. It was my mother's and my sister's birthday. And they said, come back, you know, something terrible has just happened. And I, you know, sat in a chair for two days. Um, I can't even imagine, you know, what's going on in the world now in 9-11, what, you know, mentally it did to you. But I worked in, in during those times and I covered one of the Bush's inaugurations and that was an honor I felt, you know, to be asked to do that. So it was an incredibly gratifying experience, but there were still um, in the union that I'm in, I believe for ABC and NBC, it is still mostly men um, now, unfortunately, they only basically day hire you. Uh, they don't hire permanently anymore, um, which is sad, um, but that's the way the world has become. Um, but I was there, you know, from the 70s up through the early 90s. It was one of the best things I ever uh, could have done. And it was really what I felt I was meant to do. Um, I'm sorry that a keyboard had to let me in, but I'm very grateful for typing. In, a, in the way, and that now finally you have some more, you know, females in the industry in all kinds of areas. Um, and the women that I worked with were, um, we were a, a great, really good crew of people, supportive. But it, it's so interesting because Krista and I come from so female dominated industries. Yeah, we talk true. about that, but we also, but also like most of these industries, most of fashion brands are still and magazines are still owned by like high-powered men um but the other thing I was thinking about was I think Chris and I have noticed too at FIT a lot of our professors maybe never got married or had kids because they devoted themselves to their industry um and I know I had some professors who like you like got married later had kids later or just it never happened like did did that happen to most of your friends who maybe still work in the industry or recently retired well, it was a lot of women had to make that choice. Some did juggle for a, a long time, um, but many a day, I remember many of them being on the phone with their babysitter, with the uh, you know daycare center, and it was very hard for them. And then several of them, most of the moms did eventually retire um, or left earlier than they might have. Uh, the women that survived, a lot of them were lucky enough to have parents that could still watch the kids for them or family where they knew that they were, were safe. But that is still today, I believe, um, in so many industries and everything, it's the woman's choice. And it's still hard that this country has not accepted that 
kids and work don't always match. And that even when your child is in school, that's only 180 days a year, but an employer mostly expects you to work 300 and whatever days a year. And we have not come as far as Europe and other places where sometimes the village truly raises the children. We don't do that. And it is still that big problem for females. And I, I felt it. I was actually almost at the top of my game. I was working on a soap opera, um, One Life to Live. I loved them. They loved me. They were an amazing group of people. Um, I would have done you know, anything for them. I was physically in another building. They were across the street. I would go over and it was terrific. And it was not an easy decision to leave. Could my husband and I have made arrangements? Probably, I, I could have done that. And then the other point is um, several women that I worked with later in life when I got into another profession spend half of their paycheck on daycare. So they're out of the house and they're making some money but 50% of their check goes to the babysitter. My cousins experience that. Yeah. It, it's still a universal problem in this country, one of many, that falls squarely on the shoulders, I still believe, unless you're a single dad and there are single dads out there who are doing amazing things and it's terrific. But my most of my experiences are that the the woman has to make the decision or can I stay? Can I afford to stay? Is it worth it? In my industry too, I did not want to be that far away from my baby in case something happened because I was back on Long Island and I would, you know, commute in and the world is an uncertain place. And it just, it just didn't seem to me, but thankfully I was married to someone who had good health benefits we thought about. Uh, I'm at times at, at that point probably was making more money at my job, but we had to make a decision. And so we did, and it was the right decision. And if I didn't buy a new car for 10 years, oh, well, if you didn't do a few things, oh, well, we didn't fix up the house right away either, but we were lucky enough that we were able to make it on the one salary, but a lot of people can't, they just don't have either the benefits that my husband and I had, or we had also both been working for most of our lives and we're not spenders. We, we just lived, we never tried to live above our means. So we had a bit of a cushion because we were able to do that. I lived in a studio apartment with a landlord who didn't believe in heat in the winter, uh, faced what? a brick wall and he was just, a, he was a misery. I will say he was a misery. Yeah, even my but, dad said that. Yeah. Lord, was that Upper West Side, Lori? That Upper West Side, West 75th Street. Loved yeah. West 75th Street. And I love when you comment about how it wasn't like safe then, because Jamie and I discussed just how, you know, from like your experience there, the city in general has changed a ton. Hello, the recent years, but more yeah. so from then to now with like safety in certain areas. It's like home alone period times, old movies to... Now. Oh, it was, I would come home some nights and there would be sadly a homeless person sleeping in my lobby because they had what they called SRO hotels back then, single room occupancy. It was very sad. Um, I was mugged a couple of times, luckily never hurt. Once I actually talked myself out of it while one of the doormen on Central Park West watched the whole thing and did nothing to help me, but I got out of it. Um, I am fairly small but fierce and my friend who was a, a policeman said 
if somebody approaches you immediately go into warrior stance because that's what they want. They want to be, um, you know, Lord over you. So if you can just gather yourself enough, scream back at them, even, you know, do whatever you have to do. Um, and I was actually carrying a large bag of laundry and he sort of started to lunge at me. And I remember I put the bag of laundry between myself and him and I started screaming to get the mm, out of here, away from me. I'm not afraid of you. Don't you touch me. And he actually backed off like, okay, maybe this isn't the girl to start with. And the doorman was literally standing right there, did nothing. He walks away and I said to the doorman, thank you so much. And he went, oh, you were doing fine. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think that was a nature of the times you think, Lori? Like nowadays, like they would make a move or the doorman would have to feel like they I were don't know. Or? You know, it's almost, I'm not sure. It's you watch these videos of people punching people on the streets just for the fun of it. Um, I still think sometimes in large cities, people just have blinders on. There was another time when a gentleman did uh, try to go after me and two of my neighbors tackled him. Good. Uh, they, they saw it happening and they, 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 you know, got him on the ground so we could call the police. Um, I just think, you know, sometimes it's where you are. It can happen anywhere. I remember people were traveling for ABC. They were in the middle of the Midwest somewhere in a very small town. And one of the producers got mugged. And she said, you know, who thought, you know, we're literally in nowhereville. Um, so I don't know if that's better. I know the Upper West Side got gentrified. Um, which in some ways is nice, in some ways it isn't. I didn't like the crime, but I loved that the Upper West Side in the 70s was young professionals just starting out with not a lot. My girlfriend, Barbara below me, was just starting out in advertising. My friend, Denise, and her boyfriend, who I can't remember across, he was a chef. She was actually a, wanted to be in men's design and was having a heck of a time breaking in as a female. Um, but she was a trained seamstress. She was trying to launch a line. She lived in, you know, across the street. Um, we used to gather together, um, sometimes just on the sidewalk in front of our uh, brownstones on the stoops on the weekends and just talk. And it would, there was a community. Uh, but after dark, it got a little kooky. Um, you'd see people brazenly just breaking into cars. Car theft was one of the biggest things going. Uh, one time I was going to work and it was about 9 p.m. It wasn't super late to walk. And I remember a gentleman was breaking into a car. I'm just walking to work. He took the crowbar, held it up, and I just went, I don't see anything happening. And I just kept walking. I, these were, this was life in the Big Apple. Luckily, I, my parents were city kids. My father gave me city smarts. And I, I usually don't shy away from a bad situation in the sense that I just kind of go into warrior mode. I, I'll get fierce. Um, my sister, on the other hand, no, but I will get fierce. <laughs> um, like when you were in preschool, like some kid hit you and you hit him back or something. Well, when I was in preschool, my mother had to come. And they said, you've got to pick up your daughter. And my mother was like, what happened? So they, she comes to the preschool and a little boy hit me with a block. So what did Lori do? Lori picked up two blocks and hit him with both of them to defend myself. And the preschool teacher said, we can't have your daughter here. And my mother said, good for her. And I'll gladly take her out of this preschool. And she took me home and I never went back. So I was just that 
kind of a kid. I'm sort of that kind of adult. My mouth is blunt. It gets me into trouble. It always has. <laughs> um, when I was one, except when I was on Oprah Winfrey, which is a whole nother yeah, story. Do you want to talk about how you got on Oprah? Oh, sort of a funny story. Morgan <laughs> Brittany, my best friend back in 19, I think 86. I think it was 86. We, we yeah. Um, I get uh, back then, before the internet and cell phones, you used to be able to check your uh, answering machine remotely, you put in a code and this and that. And I was at work for several days doing a big project. And I, you know, sometimes you didn't get to go home very much. So I was checking my answering machine and I hear a voice saying, Hi, Lori, this is so-and-so from the Oprah Winfrey show. The name sort of sounded familiar. We'd like to have you on as a guest. And I was like, what? I thought it was a prank. So I walk around the floor at ABC going, all right, who said I'm going to go on Oprah Winfrey? Come on, guys. You know, because they always used to say I should go on a talk show. And <laughs> the next thing I hear is Morgan calls in and says, Lori, if you get a call from the Oprah Winfrey show, it's not a prank. They really want you because they're doing a segment on celebrities and their best friends. I gave them your number. So I called Morgan. I said, this is real, right? And she said, yes. She said, see if you can get, um, you know, a couple of vacation days. They'll fly you to Chicago. We'll do the show. And then I was supposed to go back to Los Angeles with her because uh, we were going to I was going to go visit her. Uh, she said, if you can and you can change your ticket, we'll just fly to California together after that. So I said, OK, the problem was at the point at the time I was a union rep. And I was not in good stead with my boss because uh, mm. sometimes people would have disagreements, shall we say. And I was trying to figure out a few disagreements with him. So I went to the second in command and asked him if he could talk to my boss because there was a chance that I could be on the Oprah Winfrey show. And I couldn't exactly call in sick and then be on every TV monitor across <laughs> ABC TV where Oprah in New York was on and say I was out sick that day. So luckily, he became the go-between for me. My boss said, okay, but he made me come back to New York, work for a day, and then fly to California. But I said, all right, whatever it is. So I fly to Chicago. Uh, Morgan meets me. We're so excited. Of course, first thing we have to do is go shopping, look around, see what's going on. The next day, we're going to be on Oprah. The guests on Oprah were Gail, her best friend, uh, a gentleman who I had seen around the ABC campus who was a soap opera star at the time and his best friend. And another ABC star whose name I can't remember, but eventually Emma Sams. She was a big 80s soap, um, nighttime soap opera star also, and her best friend. Well, Morgan and I had a blast on the show because uh, we truly are best friends. You give me a microphone and a chance to talk. And that's what I did for the whole hour. <laughs> At the end of the hour, Oprah comes and shakes everyone's hand as she does with her guests. She leaned into me and said, you should have your own talk show. And for, I would say about a month after it, I came back, everybody loved it. I flew to California, Morgan and I are in a mall. And of course I was so used to people recognizing her, running up to her, Miss Brittany, can I have your autograph? I love you, this and that. They actually came up to me and said, oh my God, you really are friends, it's Lori. So I did have my 15 minutes of fame, 
people in my banker in New York, when you used to go to the bank and cash your check and everything, they had seen me on the show. So when I walked into the bank by ABC, they were all excited. Uh, it was, it was a lot of fun and it, uh, it didn't change my life. It didn't make it any different, but it was nice to finally sit next to Morgan and show people that it doesn't matter. And that no matter, you know, at the time she was still fairly famous, but to make the point that we truly are best friends. Uh, we care about each other. You know, she stays in my little one room apartment when she could have afforded a large hotel who cared. Uh, when her children were born, I gave her her baby shower. Um, at Bruce Jenner's house, her first child, which is a whole nother story when he was still Bruce. Um, <laughs> and it just, but we just have, we've had thousands of adventures all over the planet together. Um, but I never hung on to her, which some of my friends said, oh, and she's not on TV anymore. You're not going to care. And I kept trying to tell them that that's not why I was friends with her. And even when I lived with her, uh, she and her husband are not you know, the partying type, they're not out in Hollywood to say, look at me. Uh, they took care of me. They uh, basically treated me as I was almost their child for, you know, all the time. And I am eternally grateful. And to this day, if I need something or I want something, I can text her, call her and vent to her and vice versa. And we're there for each other. And it's been wonderful. She she thinks of Jamie as her third child. Do you want to quickly talk about like what you do now? Now that like after all the years of not working in the industry and okay, what ended up happening with your career? <laughs> you said it well, shifted, Laura. If you want to go into that, yeah, I know Jamie knows too, like how you've kind of segued to a different part of your life after you were a mom and everything. So after I was a mom, I worked in the schools for a little while because that's what a lot of moms do. And that was fine. I was a reading aide. Uh, as I said, I was never a great student, but thankfully I read and comprehend incredibly well and fast. And that's what always has gotten me through life. To this day, I read, I can read a book in a day, not a problem. Uh, I'm a library trustee even now because I basically love living in my library. I think it's an important <laughs> thing to do. And after a while, through a crazy series of events, after working in the schools for a while, I ended up working for a obstetrician gynecologist, knowing absolutely nothing about medical. However, I walked in and after she interviewed me and explained, I knew how to be an office worker. I could type, fairly computer literate, can certainly answer a phone and talk. She said, do you have any questions? My only question was, can I have coffee at my desk? And she said, yes. I said, then I can work here. I ended up basically doing the afternoon shift, which is terrific because from being in theater all those years and television, I'm a night owl, don't like mornings. And I worked for 13 years for a local doctor and did everything from preparing charts, talking to patients, holding their hand, learning a lot of medical things, typing a lot of letters for him, making some very good friends. I did. So I just, um, I worked there. And then when the COVID happened, I stepped back. They needed to change their hours. And being a senior citizen now, it, it scared me. It, it did a bit. So I stepped back from that. But what I've also been doing, which happened about three or four, maybe about five years ago, my girlfriend, who also has a degree in theater, who is a friend of mine, yeah. said, you know, we have degrees in theater let's go audition for a local show. So we did. We both got in. 
And I just realized that that's what I was missing very, very much in my life. And in yeah. the last six years, I'm now on three theater boards. I'm president of a theater company. I've done many, many shows. I've still done some Zoom shows. I just got cast in another show recently. And we're trying our best to keep ourselves going. And I've rediscovered my theater roots. I came in second last year in the Long Island Broadway World Theater uh, competition for a part that I had done. And it, it truly is very, very close to my heart. So, you know, local theater is very important to people. It gives a lot of seniors a place to go on the weekends. We used to have, um, at all the three theater companies that I'm in, there are usually a group of, you know, four or five older couples that truly say they get a delight out of coming out and, and seeing people perform live. And there, there is a kick to it. And I've made some wonderful, wonderful friends doing it, learned a lot. And at one of my last shows, it warmed my heart when one of the people who I've known since college who saw me perform back in the 70s is part of an organization that uh, works in the building that we perform in. He came to one of my shows. He watched me perform. He came backstage. He shook my hand and he said, you haven't lost a beat. And that meant a lot to me. So I am trying right now to be the crazy old lady role on Long Island. Anytime you have somebody who uh, is a little bit kooky, is a little bit enjoying their uh, eyes on the world at a different stage in life, I love to go and audition for those type of parts. But I also have gotten to do some bucket list parts that I'd never gotten to do, of course, uh, when I was either younger or in, in college, when they do some shows, many a time you have to put on a lot of makeup because <laughs> you are playing someone, you know, a lot older than you really are. But now after raising a child, after going through many life changes, it, it brings a whole new perspective. So that's what I've been doing to keep myself sane during this even before the pandemic, entering a whole new world of performing. And that's where I must say, even working at the doctor's office, they were very supportive. And the doctor used to say, do you have rehearsal tonight? Do you have to get out of here? And he always would work around my schedule. And that really, they were very excited for me. And they used to come see my shows. And, and that was a lot of fun because sometimes medical can be very demanding uh, at the end of the day, there's a lot that you have to take in. Sometimes you see things that are sad. You know, people get do get sick. Um, and But there's also a lot of joy in what we did because we got to, sometimes women would put a baby in my hand and say, okay, could you hold her while I go back there? And uh, that was the fun part of our day. So it's, uh, it was, it's, a worth, it it's worthwhile. And I hope after all this is, is gone, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, so that's what I do. Now I'm the crazy old actress on the block. I've been doing a lot of writing. I've gotten a couple of one acts produced yes. from a theater company that enjoys You got your cousin writing. involved now? Like now your cousin's writing shows because of yes. you? Um, that's amazing. We have a, my cousin who uh, is a retired teacher, but was always a writer. Lots of ideas in her head. Now she finally has the time to do that. She's gotten shows produced in the city, produced over in England. She's constantly writing. And it's very interesting to see people's different voices. Uh, I tend to write very dialogue as you and I, or that we're speaking right now. I love dialogue. Some people would more concentrate on the story or they would 
atmospheric writing, which it can be called too, setting a mood. I'm more of like a New Yorker, like I like to talk to you. So I talk to you in my plays and I, en I enjoy that kind of a thing. And I'm also writing one minute and two minute plays. There is a, a one minute play festival that has toured the world that I have friends who have gotten their works in it. And it's very exciting. And I've tried my hand at it. And for anyone listening who might be a writer, or wanna sharpen your skills, when every word and syllable counts, it's a very interesting exercise in writing that somebody might wanna try. And my girlfriend and I, who are both writers, decided we're gonna try two and under instead of one and under. And so far we've come up with a few different works that eventually we'd love to maybe put into a festival somewhere and do it's a short story, quote unquote, play festival where you could go from feeling elated in one scene and then the next time actors will come out and it's a very dramatic scene. So that's something that I've been concentrating on now too. I love that. I can't imagine trying to, I mean, editing in general, I know from like a publishing background and anything just in communications to have a whole story in a minute or two and then bring it to life. That's I think a beautiful challenge, but also overwhelming, but kind of a good adrenaline rush after you maybe create a beautiful piece from that. It, it truly is. And it, my, what I do with a friend of mine, as I said, we read it out loud, we write it, we read it, then we edit it and we go back. And yes, it is very difficult, Krista, as you know, <laughs> because some of the one acts I wrote in basically a week, but I was editing for months and driving myself crazy. So what I believe you need with that kind of a thing is fresh eyes. And any, a lot of books, as you know, for me, when I read a book, if I get into it and it doesn't draw me in right away by the writing, well, I finish it probably. However, I find that this helps me do that. When you're writing something that has to be told, get your point across, draw the audience in, in just maybe the first 20 seconds in a play like this. I think it truly helps you as a writer to realize that sometimes a lot of what you write is, ex is, is things that really don't, aren't moving what you're getting ahead. It's not adding to your story. It's not giving you the punch that you need. So I use it for those purposes. Uh, and I, my friend Nancy and I have found that it, it's been truly gratifying and, and tr helping us because she's writing a full length play and I'm writing a couple of other one act plays. And it's helping me be more concise when I edit, because as they say, editing is hell. And it is. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Perfectionist problem slash took me a year to edit my FIT essay. So come on. Like I'm so many drafts. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember sitting, you know, when, you know, Jamie was writing hers and just trying to get it out. And I just kept saying, your opening line has got to be the hook. So yeah. hit him with something big. Yeah. You know? uh, I and love, I used to think at night about those things. Oh, I love words. So fun. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I think some people, you know, it's different parts of your brain. I yes. was never that good in math or science. That wasn't my thing. But you give me words. I would rather write 9,000 compositions than take a geometry test. But I had friends who were so smart in math and science. But when they were asked to write an essay, they were lost. And that's where I think education and colleges, the essay, 
I don't know how much you can put on it because the person can be so motivated and so brilliant, but a lot of people's brains scramble when it comes to putting it down on paper. Yeah. And it's, it's very difficult. So I also find that when I walk, I use my uh, memo on my phone constantly when oh. things pop into your brain. And I always tell people to please do that because you'll have this amazing thought. And then when you'll actually sit down to write it, you won't remember it. And you could easily delete things on a computer that you might have needed. And if someone empties the trash, you're like screwed. But <laughs> I, I constantly do that too. I use the voice memo. And I used to teach a writing class um, at our local library with one of the librarians. And I used to do that too. I would say, use your memo, write it down, have scraps of paper next to your bed, the table, wherever you happen to be. Even when I was at work, while I was in the middle of working, once in a while, I would come out with these sayings and the girls at work would be like, you got to write that down. <laughs> like, That's great. Or one of the patients would say okay. something. And we had some patients who had the most amazing names and writers are always looking for great names. And one of them, I won't say it here, but I remember asking her, may I use your name in a, my next play or book? Because it was just the best. And she <laughs> said, she was so honored. She goes, absolutely. So I used to ask my patients, because some of them had truly amazing names, uh, may I use that? And I 100%, all of them said, please do, please do. You know, one girl said, just change it a little bit, because I really always wanted to be called this. So I, I do have, I do have that. I mean, some of the patients in the office, I have lists of some of the greatest names ever that these women would have. So that, that's, that's a lot of fun, too. But I've always just been an observer which I think is important. I told that when Jamie was little, know the world around you. Uh, I was fortunate enough again to be, you know, born in the city, moved out to the island, always brought into the city because my father worked there, which my parents also spent time and their money on travel. When a lot of my friends didn't really go out of Long Island or would go back to Brooklyn where they moved to, my mother's union, the teacher's union used to have these amazing trips that when the dollar back in the 70s was so strong against any of the other money on our vacations, we would go to Europe and it made a great impact. Some of our friends are very jealous, but that's what my parents used their money on. They didn't take us other places. They saved and they said, we want to show you the world, but to their credit, they also drove us from New York to California and back one summer because they said, you need to see this country too. And we did that also. So that was, I was very lucky. And my dad, I wasn't afraid to go into the city. I used to bring my friends into the city because a lot of the parents in my generation, our parents had escaped, you know, the city and had the American dream of buying the house after the war, the baby boomers, and they didn't want to go back. I couldn't get enough of Manhattan. And I knew after college, that was where I needed to be. And I learned the subway system. My father and mom told me about some street smarts and I was always very careful, but I would bring my friends in. And the famous nickel tour, as my father used to say, he would give the friends at NBC when you could roam the halls. And I could even show everybody because I knew all about it. And I actually, went to an interview to be a tour guide at NBC. And the gentleman said, I can't hire you. And I said, why? He goes, you know more about the building than I do. 
And I said, you're right, because I grew up here. So yeah. I knew every secret staircase. I knew how to get to, into any studio. I knew where everything was, what they did, where to go, how it worked. And he, I think I intimidated him. And I didn't, again, I was never taught you play stupid because you're a girl to get your job. If maybe I did, maybe I could have gotten in and become a page at the time. But I always thought I should show what I do know. And even when I had my interview at the doctor's office, I said, look, I don't know anything about medical. That's not my training. But if you want a woman to sit here, and I like the idea of helping women because it was a gynecologist's office. I said, I know how to do that. I certainly know how to use a computer. I've been, I am a mother. I understand what it's like to be pregnant. Um, I can empathize with the women walking in, no matter what their situation is. I will be here. I will help them in any way. And then I will learn all the other things as we go along, if you're willing to show me. And obviously I got the job, you know, and I had to be able to have coffee. So, <laughs> so when she said to the coffee was okay and a very sweet story one of the doctors that I worked for passed away very tragically I loved him he was like my the brother I never had we truly are a family there and she used to say just make sure you don't spill the coffee on any of your papers one day he's reaching over my desk and he spills my coffee and all of a sudden I become a two-year-old doctor did it I didn't because I see my office manager turn around with the look that I've given Jamie as a mom at times and I'm not happy like what did you do and I was like he did it I didn't do it he did it and of course he just zips out of the office like never mind you know I cleaned it up it wasn't that bad I didn't ruin anyone's chart but it was just one of those funny moments where he right away was like I, I didn't do anything don't look at me um, and then of course I'm sure you can all imagine working for a gynecologist there's very many funny jokes but we used to call our building the waist down building because the gynecologist was us the proctologist was next door and the urologist was across the <laughs> oh my god so we only took it from the waist down so. <laughs> Because if women got the flu, they would call our office and I go, excuse me, ma'am, but the doctor doesn't have anything to look in your ears. Yes. The whole buildings blow the waste. Any other problems elsewhere? That's right. We don't do. Oh, so, my God. So every, all the girls who worked in, in the offices, we, we all have a very good sense of humor. Let me tell you. That's yeah. good. But when we have to be professional, of course we are. And yeah. again, the nicest thing about it was you're helping, you know, women. And it, uh, it, it, it was gratifying. It was, it was quite gratifying and sometimes sad and a lot of happiness. And it was wonderful. And I saved a letter from one of my patients who I helped during a very hard time. And she wrote me a beautiful letter and it, I always, I saved it and I read it every now and then. And it was nice. And I hope that when all this craziness is over, I have to make a choice about going back. I might, uh, I'll see. Yeah. Nice. Well, I don't know if I have any other any other uh, things to chat about unless you do, Krista. Can I ask one question, Jamie? Yeah. Or to ask you, okay. We're kind of like maybe a coma of everything you shared. Because Jamie and I, of course, have discussed previously on the podcast of how we've had to transition our careers with the changing times. Jamie, more digital. And me sort of like completely changing from kind of print media to fitness and health. And that was a series of factors, I guess, because I feel like for you, you had like a natural progression, it sounds like. And then you kind of like had your, had your kind of like got married, had a baby, and then kind of like changed careers. Do you feel like back then it was still difficult to kind of almost like re, 
reposition yourself in the workplace before and after you had Jamie or just the nature of changing your life at the time of your age where you were for um, me, back then? I think it, it, it was difficult and it is difficult. The only thing that I think I have on my side and I only think because it's the way I was born and the way I am, I'm not afraid of things. I do like to take charge. I love to talk to people. I'm not a wallflower whatsoever. So if you put me in a front desk position, you put me in a position to talk to people. I almost always in interviews could get a job as somebody's go-to girl because I can do that. I can pick up a phone. I can explain things. I can write it down on a piece of paper. And I felt just because of my particular personality and not being afraid of trying new things, although sometimes I am. Every time I would go live on the air, my knee would shake because one thing in theater that I found out too soon was when I was a theater major and I started getting a lot of the parts, I got a big head for a while. I was like, oh, you know, I'll just go down there and I'm gonna ace this one because I'm Laurie and I'm wonderful. Well, a couple of times I didn't get the part. And I was like, damn, but I went in there and I was so cocksure of myself when I went in there, I'm sure the director said, we don't need this girl. And that's one thing that I didn't like working in television was there were basically two groups of celebrities, those that were truly nice and those that weren't, there was very little in between. So it was hard for me, Krista. And I did sit for many years. I remember holding Jamie one day, it was uh, when the first bombing actually happened at the World Trade Center. I don't know if you remember, they did blow up the garage. Jamie was a baby. I was watching it unfold on TV. It was in the winter. It was a miserable cold day. Here I was holding this baby, walking back and forth in my living room on Long Island. And I was like, and I remember saying, oh my God, what did I do? Yeah, I kind of wanted to be in the city. I wanted to be covering that story. I didn't want to be holding a baby at that. I loved her. I would never give her up, but I wanted to run back to the city, go back to my graphics machine at ABC and start doing something. It really, I had to come to grips with it. So I am a person who doesn't sit around and I'm not a stay at home type of a mom. So as soon as Jamie went to school and the school district, I also was PTA president of every school that Jamie was in because that's me. And I- She couldn't leave me. <laughs> she was <just> always there. <laughs> I like to get things done. I know, I but I have friends who used to be like, does your mom work here? <laughs> I actually worked at another school, but right. then I would go to her school in the <laughs> afternoon. Uh, I'm just, some people are made to be at home, have lots of kids and that satisfies them. And that's fine. That's not how I was- how my personality is. My sister loves to stay at home a lot more than I do. My mother used to say she felt she was born too early. She put herself back through school when my sister and I were younger. She did not want to be the bowling league mom or really even the PTA mom. She felt she got rooked by not getting a college education because her father from the old school said, girls don't go to college. And she wanted better for me and my sister and for her. And I went to my mother's college graduation and it was very proud. And I didn't mind that I had to go home uh, from school and my mother might not be home, but I was old enough to be by myself, but she was working and that was fine. So I think I inherited that. So because of, I believe the genes that I inherited from my mother, the love of theater, 
of the show business, quote unquote, in front of and behind the camera from my father. I was very lucky. I had a good, you know, re interesting relationship with them. My dad was my hero. I got to follow in his footsteps. When I used to stand in master control with him, I used to go on the weekends, like weekends with Maury. I used to do weekends with Howie. I had Sundays off. I'd find myself walking down to 30 Rock, go upstairs, see my dad. Don Pardo, the famous announcer, sometimes would be in the announce booth. I looked just like my father, my with the dark hair, dark eyes. Everyone knew I was Howie's kid, and I couldn't have been prouder. And he, I just used to love sitting there watching him because he was, you know, he was so smart, and it was it was wonderful. And not everybody has that kind of a childhood, but I think the most important thing too, Chris, is I knew how lucky I was. Yeah. I, I never worried about where a meal was coming from. My parents had a roof over their head. They had good jobs. They were educated. They worked for what they got. They did not come from money or anything. And I had friends who I knew were eating not every night because their parents were divorced and it wasn't a good scene and things were happening. But I always took that and I always wanted more. I, I'm not someone who is able to be happy. Like with running, you're a runner. For yeah. my 50th birthday, I was going to run the New York City Marathon and I didn't care how it went. Well, so good, I know. I love I the did, story. <laughs> you know? And then when my father was dying and he knew that's what I was doing, it was in his memory. That's amazing. So I think that's love why it. and how I was able to keep going. It's just because my personality is like that. I, yeah. I don't take things lightly. Sometimes, as I said, it's gotten me in trouble. Um, but I do always want to push ahead. And I just, I never want to settle. Mm -hmm. Not good for me. And even now, when all this is over, I intend to go back to the city. I want to get another agent. And I want to make TV commercials again. Because I don't care if I'm 110 and they have to wheel me into the studio. I want to see that key light be sitting there give me five minutes, give me a tagline, show me where the camera is, and I'm going to say it. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. I go show like for anyone, I mean, regardless of age and life, especially for women too, women in any kind of industry, your, your job and your life is never over. You know, like you can have one career, you can segue, you can have a family, you can segue. It's like, it's a lot to keep changing. I mean, I felt that this year and Jane and I discussed that in different ways in the pod, but I think it's amazing, Laura, that you've like gone through all those different kind of ways and just been like, yep, let's deal with it now. You know, it's not easy at all, people. It's so hard to, especially as a female, especially in the times you were in too, it's like extra little hurdles to jump over. People yeah, to defeat. There, there, <laughs> there were. But I just remember yeah. coming home and in, and just not accepting. Yeah. And even, you know, and once again, my father said, it's not going to be easy for you because we have the same last name. And I said, I get it. He said, there will be a target on your back. And he really didn't, once I got into the job, he didn't help me. What he was doing was a whole different world at ABC, NBC than what I was doing there. But the good news was when I came to him and if I said, you know, they were mean to me and they didn't, he said, suck it up. I told you. And, and he, he, so he was a very good guide for me. And mm. even when he got the job, if we didn't have the last name that we did, which does not sound Jewish, he would not have been hired because even though he was brilliant, they were taking engineers from the telephone company and asking them to start this whole new television thing that was coming out. And since he was an electrical engineer, 
And because we do not have a Jewish sounding last name, I don't think they ever thought to question him about his religion, but he probably would not have been hired. So he had to fight that back then uh, because there was a lot of anti-Semitism in a lot of different industries back then. And even now, uh, I recently lost weight during the pandemic because I wanted to. But I also realized there's always going to be a double standard for women that if I'm going to go into the city, even at my age, I should probably be thinner so that if I go on camera, my agent, they will ask the agent, what size is she? Yep. And they won't stop doing that. They, I don't believe they do that to men as much. Men could be a little overweight here or there. But I when that. I came out of college, I had gained an enormous amount of weight. And I actually called agents and said, I'm a fat young actress. I was hired by my agent as a fat young actress. I lost 80 pounds. I called him. He hadn't called me in a while. I purposely wasn't checking in with him. And I told him, I said, I am now quote unquote normal weight for my size. He said, I don't need you anymore. I have enough normal weight women. And he dropped me. So, um, I do believe that that standard might still be. I yeah. don't, and and also when I do look at TV commercials, they finally started getting more about what the world looks like. But for a lot of women, I still go, I would like to see someone or the mom who really looks like a mom. Most moms are not a size two and have perfect makeup. They're, you know, this, the world just isn't that way, especially even after you have children, you, your body changes. It is slowly getting there, but I felt to go into offices in all honesty, I needed to be a thinner person that if they wanted to pad me or whatever, that they could. And it's sad, but that is the way that the the world works. I used to tell Morgan, you will sell makeup on the air. I will do it in the voiceover. And she said, you know, she's just a natural beauty and God bless her. I was never jealous of it. Good for her. I think you know, her beauty, she's beautiful inside. That's all that matters. And I'm at peace with that. And maybe Krista, that's also true too, about how I can keep going. I always know who I am. I never thought I was the tall, thin, long-haired, gorgeous model type. And I loved being different. That I always had the crazy curly hair. Um, I was always shorter than everyone. Uh, You know, big chest, this, that. But my mother used to say, celebrate what you do have. And so I, I, I've always tried to use it to my advantage to stand out and understood that when I go to an audition now, I don't go for the girlfriend part. I go for the mother-in-law or the mom. And, and I'm very happy with that. And my girlfriend too, who uh, is very tall, dark haired, very you know thin, she said, man, I always wanted those meaty mom roles and they would never give them to me. And that's what makes the world go round. Yeah. Everyone wants they don't have or they can't get. Correct. <laughs> Correct. It, it, you know, and in a play recently, one of the directors wanted me to have super straight hair and he put a wig on me. I'm not a wig person. The sight gag yeah, worked. Looked, yeah. I, but <laughs> I, I, I was trying to convince him. I think she would have crazy hair. He did not want my crazy hair. But when I do go to auditions, I do tell the director, if you want me to straighten it, I will, but I love it and I embrace my curls. And I do actually say that to them when I go in. And some directors are happy with it and some say, can you straighten that? And I'm fine, whatever you would like. I mean, I have always, you know, I've always loved my hair. But I think it's just so important, especially in like 
any kind of, you know, public television media, any kind of like behind a camera, especially in back then, but even now, like it doesn't get easier in general for women, no matter however you look no. in your life or any job, especially in front of a camera. Correct. Correct. And I really am curious to see um, going back now at, as a senior citizen to an audition or just to an interview with an agent, what, they, what they're going to think. Uh, and hopefully they'll realize that I have been trained. I know how to do this. I have a degree in it and give me the copy and let me read it. And I understand where my mark is. I'll show up. I will be you know, on time, which is also important. I worked with several people that, you know, we had to wait because the actor had a busy night out or oh, whatever geez. and was late or yeah. didn't know their lines or didn't know what a key light was, couldn't find their mark, whatever. That's one thing too. And people said, you're just your, you know, for your here for your dad. I said, no, I have a degree in this. I know what I'm doing. I did study this. So that's one thing that I wanted to make sure I could do. There's so much just I feel like women have to constantly defend and be questioned. Like if yes. a man was doing the same thing, there would be no questions asked. There is. And yeah. I have a girlfriend it's who disgusting. Jamie knows who is overweight for a long time. And she sent in a tape and they didn't know that I knew her. And I was watching the producers. They said, oh, we can't put her on the air. She's fat. She was a fabulous reporter. But she she's had a weight battle her whole life. And they, they wouldn't even consider. So there is a double standard. They're always, you know, we're not there yet. Right. It's getting better. But yeah. I still wish we were judged on not what we look like, not what necessarily we sound like, but what we can produce. Yeah. Especially because men are hired if they're if they're overweight, they're like the funny goofy guy like on TV. Mm -hmm. They have they have like I feel like a role or kind of like an archetype or you know what I mean? It's like for women it's like it's not an option. It's just the gender. And then stuff. also if you're younger and you're a woman, they think, oh, she's gonna get married and have kids and leave. And that's uh, another thing that's always in the back of their minds. I didn't think about that. Yes. Yes. Because I remember overhearing a conversation once where I, I heard someone who shall remain nameless saying, yeah, and I got a bunch of young women and I bet you they're going to get married and leave the office. And, you know, I was like, wow. And I didn't think about that. But when women get married, a lot of people want a family. And because in this country, we don't really help people out with a lot of daycare options, or now maybe after the pandemic with the work from home. But if you're working from home, your kids are on the computer next to you from home, even if you can afford all those computers, which a lot of people can't, and Wi-Fi, I feel, should just be free for everyone. Yes! <laughs> um, you know, how do you juggle all that? It's women have always been the jugglers of society. Men were the breadwinners, they go to work, their lives didn't change all that much as we have set up the society in this country, which I love dearly and thank God we're here, but we still haven't figured out how you have a family and how you have children for women and still keep your job and still be able to do it because women can if you're given the right opportunities. And it really amazes me how so many large, large corporations never had daycare right on site that yeah. women... You know, some did, I'm not saying all, but we never, that, that idea never quite took off in this country. And it's still a problem now. Yeah. Well, mom, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. We appreciate this so much. For all the listeners, guys, too, this is, I mean, it's a good example of just, A, industries change, jobs that have changed the world. Someone who was in the city, in New York City for a long time, how that's changed back then to now, especially for yeah. women, guys, women in the workforce in general ways. You can't have it all. It's just very complicated, unfortunately, but you can make it happen. 
you can. You just need the right people to surround yourself with, the right mind frame, and sometimes luck. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's been so great. Thank you so much, Lori, for coming Thank on today. You, <laughs> Thank you. I didn't talk too much. <laughs> All good. All okay. good. Thank you. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Okay. Enjoy. Love Thanks. you both. Bye. All right, guys. So I hope you enjoyed that little interview with my mom. She's had a really interesting life, as you can see, and a very <laughs> interesting career. And maybe you can see why I'm a little feisty. Uh, and uh, I get some of my traits from her and her mom. She spoke about my grandmother, who I was lucky to have for most of my life. So, yeah. That was so good, Jamie. I love that guy so much. I mean, also because I have met your mom before, like obviously off off air of the pod. And even still, like I love, I didn't know all that. Um, obviously, I know him kind of through you, but I love, yeah, because I just see more and more, Jamie, how the connection is like, dude, that is, you are so your parents and it just makes so much sense. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's funny you say like, I'm so my parents, like, because whenever people meet me, like either people say I look like my mom or they say I look like my dad. And my mom will always go, I think she looks like both like I don't think she looks more like one parent than the other and like if you see a picture of me with my parents like I truly I don't look more like one than the other like some people look like a lot like their mom or a lot like their dads like I really do look like a mix of both of them um it's also creepy because if you see a picture of my mom with her sister they literally have the same face it's just that my aunt has blonde hair and blue eyes and my mom has like brown hair and brown eyes like it's so (laughs) um and, but, and like my grandmother, like I remember when she and all of her siblings were alive, they all literally had the same face. Like they all looked alike. It was so weird. <laughs> you know, they were all pretty apart in age, but yeah. Um, so my mom is, she's a funny lady. And, and when she, when, even when my mom left television, we actually used to go back a lot and visit her friends. So like, I really only knew the Upper West Side when I first started going to New York City as a kid. And my dad, being a teacher, was so fascinated by my mom's job in television. Like, he thought that was the coolest thing ever. Do you love how she was there when Robin Williams was there? Like, stop. Oh, my God. I never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I love that. But anyway, yeah. yeah but so, seriously, like I said, to have your mommy also is important because, seriously, for anyone listening, guys, I know men and women, whoever um, are listening, guys, I know we happen to have a large, probably female audience for sure. But in general, guys, for any, I think – 20-something, 30-something, even into your 40s, like, Jamie's mom clearly has, you know, continued on with her life. It hasn't stopped because she also wanted to have a family. You know what I mean? I think that's so huge because, especially Jamie, in the nature of, like, the times back then, it was less common to be working and to be a mom, I feel, especially for women, yes. 100%. I told you, you know, when I first, I feel like, was surrounded by um, multiple people who were, you know, different religion than me, mainly Jewish, of course, I feel like being in the city, that right. never really occurred to me of how it yeah. could have been used against somebody. And especially in a work situation, I know it exists, but it's like, it's crazy how, you know, how much you don't always realize if you're not always in that actual little community. You know what I mean? And it's terrible. Yeah. And that was even factored in. Yeah. So, and like she said, yeah, my grandparents were um, children of the depression and then my grandfather was drafted into World War II. So, you know, they both went through a lot of really challenging experiences growing up and then they really, they both really made something out of themselves. And yeah, my grandmother went back to school when that was not really a thing. Um, So yeah, my grandpa had a really interesting job. (laughs) Jamie, seriously, that's so good, you. I'm not kidding. Like, it's so important, guys, for everyone to hear that. I think especially beyond, as a woman, just the fact that in your life, I mean, because, hello, Jamie and I think I discussed that before, maybe more so off the pod, but, you know, we're at a point of our life where it's very much, I feel like, 
comparison. Maybe I know it affects me more than Jamie, but it's like just compared about how some people right now, you know, they're going on with their family, you know, creating their family. And I don't personally want that today, but it's like, you know, it kind of counters into play, of course, for women because of the nature of life and how being older as a parent's like a different kind of thing. You know what I mean? Even even nowadays, it's still like it's just it just depends, especially compared to maybe a lot of either friends. I have more so family than friends that are kind of experiencing like the part of career slash mom situation kind right. of thing. But yeah, especially with the work from home, I feel like you know, like I, say, I feel like there's like no parameters on that kind of stuff it's, when it comes. Yeah, to- it's really a struggle, and I, I think it really depends on you know how old your kids are. I, I mean, I think it's sure. really hard if your kids are like an elementary schooler even not, you know, that's really difficult. Um, so yeah. Dude, funky times. Well, friends, again, we're going to our favorites now, but I hope you, this is our first guest and I'm so pumped. I mean, that was such a great, uh, hope you guys enjoyed a little trio conversation to hear about. (laughs) My mom just texted me. She said it was fun. (gasps) Good. (laughs) (laughs) We want our guests to enjoy the time on the show. No, but that's amazing. I love that so much. Okay. So favorites for today. Um, Jamie, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. I have a few. Guys, I'm back with the Netflix recommendations. Hey! <laughs> All right. So I have two Netflix recommendations. One of them is a series. So I know RIP The Office is no longer on Netflix, unfortunately. Um, that's how I watched The Office. Now you have to watch repeats on television or watch it on Peacock. I think that's why they took it off Netflix because Peacock now has it, which is NBC streaming service and you know but I have an NBC show I'm gonna mention Jimmy quick fun fact though like Peacock though you I believe because of my parents situation it's free if you have cable I believe true false like my, we don't pay for Peacock we get Peacock though because I watch yeah. on it so I think I believe it's not like a subscription service to okay. my knowledge I don't know if that helps or hurts people but yeah fun fact. maybe that's Sorry. helpful but yeah Thank I know you. a lot of people were really pissed off that uh the Office came off Netflix, but I started watching the show. Kristen, I don't know if you remember on, I never watched it when it was on NBC, but the show Community. I feel like I've heard of this. I don't yeah. know why. I so feel like it intrigued me for a while. I, it's on, it's on Netflix. Also, it is very windy outside my window right now. Um, I came up and I was like, you know what? I used to see commercials for this show growing up. I never watched it because it was on from, I think, 2009 to 2015. So kind of a weird time for you and me. Like we were in high school and college and I just, you know, I never, I wasn't watching it. I was watching girls in college because. Oh my God, girls. That was like. Hello. Lena Dunham had like her big moment when we were at FIT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to, I was, I used to watch it on my iPad, like through my parents' HBO subscription. Yeah. I love this. That was oh like the show. Um, and also like Teen Wolf and stuff. By the way, when we looked at FIT, we had like amazing cable. Dude, see you, Jimmy, I told you, I, I never had cable when I was in the city for seven years. Oh my God, I, we had like every single channel. Dude, I didn't have a TV in the dorms. I was too busy oh, like in the city bouncing around or I was interning or working or blah, blah, blah. Oh, I, I was, or I was doing homework or battling with my roommates who were leaving like everywhere in the place. <laughs> anyway, um, so anyway, I'm going to recommend Community. I really enjoyed this show. I think I enjoyed it more than I expected to the point where I have watched on, um, I didn't realize there was like some controversy around the show, like with Chevy Chase being in it. And also the writer of the show had some controversy, Dan Harmon, and he like left and then came back. Also this year, the cast did a reading of one of the episodes for charity on YouTube. And then Ken Jong and um, Jill McHale, who were in the show, have a podcast together now that they started. Um, nice. And it's just like Donald Glover is 
incredible in this show. Like, I know you, maybe you all know him now as, you know, Childish Gambino, but he, his character, Troy, is amazing. Like, him and, like, he, him and, and, and um, I think Daniel Purdy is his name, who plays Abed, like, one of the best dynamic duos on television. It's a really good show, really quick to watch. Each episode, I want to say it's like a half hour. Um, also, uh, Yvette Nicole Brown from Drake and Josh is in it. She's yes! <laughs> Allison Breeze, and like all these people that got really famous after the factor in the show. Um, it's great. I really, really highly recommend it. And then one that's a little more serious, but one that I found to be really cool to watch. I'm into medical stuff and, and murders. Medical and murder. I like it. Um, <laughs> But there is another, a, some, um, a mini series on Netflix called The Surgeon's Cut. It's really fascinating. It's, I think, about four or five episodes. And these different doctors, they're all surgeons um, with different specialties, talk about how they got into medicine, the complicated things that they do. I think it's the second episode. There's this doctor who literally came from nothing in Mexico. And he's now one of like the head neurosurgeons at the Mayo Clinic in Florida. And he talks about how he got himself into Harvard Medical School, how he was like, he was never supposed to become anything from where he came from. And he just completely turned his life around. And now he's like super wealthy and lives in a huge house. But really fascinating. Um, my favorite one though, is there is a woman on there, a Jewish woman on there who specializes in transplants. Um, like she literally has liver transplants. That's her thing. Um, she's in San Francisco and her story of really breaking through the glass ceiling, becoming one of the, like the top women surgeons in the world is really fascinating. The first episode is, I mean, the whole series is really really interesting. Um, and I just found it to be a very captivating series. Um, so I wanted to recommend that. Uh, I also have a YouTuber who's also a TikToker that I'd like to mention. So um, I kind of got myself into a real estate hole the last few months because New York real estate has gone crazy. Apartments are cheap now. Um, and I was in the middle of trying to negotiate my own lease. And in the middle of it, I found this guy named Cash Jordan. More people know him from TikTok. He's on Instagram. He's also on YouTube. He tours. What I like about him is, first off, he gives great real estate advice. He's a real estate broker. Um, mm. He gives very good advice. Um, and some of the advice he has given, I've followed myself. Um, and he also does apartment tours. But... Most of the time on YouTube, you find these like real estate guys that tour $14 million apartments, $20 million, you know, these like super luxury fantasy apartments. He goes to different parts of New York City, including the outer boroughs. And he's like, this is what $2,500 gets you in Prospect Park. This is what, if you have three roommates and you each want to pay $1,000 each, here's what you can get in Hell's Kitchen. Here's what you can get in the Bronx. Like he tours actual listings that are realistic if you are looking for an apartment. Um, and he brings up really good points when he goes into them. Yes, sometimes he goes to these apartments and he tries to make them sound like really amazing and great. And you're like, eh, it's not really a great apartment. He does tour fancy apartments. There's an apartment he toured that's $20,000 a month to rent. Like you mean in Gramercy? Gramercy Park kind of area? He tours everywhere. But I'm saying Gramercy would be 20,000. Like, you know what I'm talking about? This was in... I think the apartment he toured was in the financial district. It was like oh, a damn. full floor, five bedroom apartment on like the 40th floor of a building. Stop it. Um, so he does, 
here and there do luxury listings. Most of the time he just tours like normal stuff. It's really good because it's interesting to see really where your money can go and you can really see maybe what you're looking for. But he also makes the point too that when you move to New York City, you're never going to get really 100% what you want. Like unless you have the money to do so, it's not going to happen. Um, but I like his videos. He posts three videos a week on um, YouTube. Some are apartment tours. Some are just him doing Q and A's. Um, and that's and his Instagram is also Cash Jordan. He's on most people rec- people recognize him on the street when he's filming. Um, but he's I I really highly recommend um, his advice. His advice is great for like if you're trying to negotiate a lease in general and and whatnot. Um, the other two things I want to mention are I have a food favorite. I was telling Krista about, I just, I tried nut pods. Um, if you guys love Emma Chamberlain, she, I know in her iced coffee recipe, which I'm never going to try. It looks literally like coffee milk. Um, I'd rather more coffee than milk in my coffee, but she uses nut pods. They are, um, if you're a Weight Watchers, they're amazing. They're no points um, because there's no sugar in them, but they're, it's an almond coconut cream creamer for your coffee. I learned that's, oh, it's, it's almond and coconut based. Um, I tried the hazelnut flavor. I just ordered some of the French vanilla because I've heard the French vanilla is like the best one, but you can get them on Thrive Market. And I think Thrive Market has the best price. You get a pack of two for like the price of one. Um, nice. They're really small to keep in your fridge. They're so good in your coffee. I, I like, I don't need to buy almond milk anymore. I'd rather use this stuff in my coffee. It's fantastic. Um, and then the last thing I recommended, I want to recommend, which I, that I've been loving, which I sent to Krista are, I got these masks on Amazon and now that it's colder, but also now that like cases are growing up, they're just thicker than a lot of the masks that I have. Like I love the Jill and Allie masks. Don't get me wrong. I think they're great. They're so breathable um, because they're cotton and feels like, you know, you're wearing a t-shirt on your face. These are polyester, I think, but they're just bigger. And in the cold weather, they also keep my face warm. Um, but I just feel more protected wearing them. They also have adjustable ear straps and you can get a pack of nine, I think for like 25 bucks, which is pretty good. But these had, I was just looking for new masks and these had really good reviews on Amazon. And I'm so surprised with how, how great they are. So yeah, those are my favorites this week. Well, Jamie, it's great that you said I know the mask talking about. They sent me that I have saved my phone, especially because I mean you're in a walking city too. So it's like, dude, if you're out and about, like it's great to have guys of nature for still wearing masks right now. It's like great to happen to have one that covers your face when it's freezing outside and you're outside enough, you know? Yeah, and they're then super thick, and I feel like they're really easy to wash too. Like they dry super quickly, and I, I just feel like more protected because it covers a lot of my face, but also because it's thicker. Mm, nice. Okay, so good. So I have some funky ones today. Get ready. Some that are like super fresh popping in. So nothing too like crazy groundbreaking, but like some fun stuff. So my first fave guys today, um, also from Thrive Market, Jamie. So guys, I'm not like a crazy candy person. I prefer like sweets, but got myself a little sweet treat. Last time I ordered from Thrive Market, um, there's a brand called Yum Earth. They have organic sour twists. And guys, just because organic doesn't mean it's healthy. Just putting that out there, guys. It's not like a healthy snack, but it's like a fun little, if you want a little bit of like a little sugar sweet fix, they use a little watermelon. Like I said, they're like little sour twists from like from a Thrive Market. They're kind of like, what's it called? Not like a Sour Patch Kid, but they're kind of like a little bit like a salted twizz, uh, sorry, like a, like a sour twizzler, if that makes sense. They're good. They're fun little snacks. So it's one little favorite. I kind of like to have those a little bit here and there. I've actually finished the bag already, but they have like all these little individual, like individual serving sizes, Jamie. So it's good if you want to like, oh, like I have a little snack bag. You know what I mean? I'm saying to not like eat the whole bag of candy. It's a fun little thing, guys. That I want to say a fave because I don't always go the candy route, but like 
it was so yummy I had to share. So that was a great new purchase that I love. Also, guys, I may have mentioned this before on the pod. I believe I have. But again, as it's getting colder, I want to mention this again because um, the brand OGEE, it's OGE, kind of pronounced from, I mentioned before, I believe it's located in Burlington, Vermont. But it's great, guys, because woman-owned business and their um, uh, Hydro Organics Jojoba Glow Face Oil is great. I like it a lot because it's good for hydration. So I'll actually use this more so like at night after I shower. I'm not a big oil person at all, but I'll put some on my face kind of thing, let it absorb. I'll actually let it stay on for a couple hours and then wipe it off because I don't want my pillow to be kind of covered in oil, pillowcases kind of thing. I wash those often, but even still. I feel you with that. You know what I mean, Jamie? Like, I'm a big guy. I'm honestly, like, a neurotic freak where I always shower before I go to bed. So, like, um, not neurotic about that, but I'm saying I will actually always, like, wash my pillowcases at least once a week. My bed sheets, like, you know, kind of every once in a while. But pillowcases are non-negotiable for me because acne, skin, make sure, you know, pillowcases always, guys, like, take care of and cleanse it kind of thing. So, I do that. But I love the jojoba oil. It's just great. It's moisturizing. And it feels so nice going on. It doesn't feel too thick and oily, but... It's awesome, as mentioned, because it's colder weather now. It's great to kind of help lock in some moisture to your skin. And I feel like I have oddball spots of like not dehydration, but kind of like not as moisturized as it should be. So that's a fun new favorite of mine that I've had for a while, repurchased, or received, I think, a, a new bottle from Christmas, something like that. So I wanted to mention they're local and they're awesome. So another. I've seen um, them and heard of them before. Did I mention before? Do you remember then? I feel like I've, I've seen them before, like on on websites they're, and stuff. Yeah, dude, they're like known so well. I mean, they're literally like female-owned business from Burlington. Like nuts out. Dude, so good. Not even kidding. Like I said, I heard about it from when I went to um the this spot that I've gotten like some lip waxes or like I've gone to for um like more so like if they have Jimmy like nice skincare products if you want to buy it in person instead of online sometimes. They're a nice small business called Mirror Mirror. And they like I said, I carry a lot of OGE kind of pronounced OGE, but it's like double E afterwards. Um, Their products and it's great skincare. I think they use on my face when I had like a facial done there or something too, like several year and a half to a month ago. But so yes, love them. And I feel like they're featured in a lot of, in a lot of magazines and also different online stuff too. So they're doing pretty well, which is nice. Um, Also friends, another new product that I got. So this is from Christmas. I'm not trying tons of new things, but Jimmy, actually my facials has said that if you use a lot of things on your face, as long as nothing is getting too red or dry, it's maybe okay, but it just depends. Like my whole thing that I had to recently adjust, I didn't mention on the pod today, but some new kind of like simple Neutrogena like peel pads actually for my neck because I had like neck breakouts and they've helped a lot. Like a lot of it's gone, which nice. is beautiful because um, I was getting a lot of like clogged stuff there. Could be a mask related mask knee, could just be stress, hormones, different imbalances of things happen to be in the neck region whatever reason but that's side note um so another new skincare thing that i purchased guys or actually i received from christmas on my wish list was sold at heyday um jamie and i mentioned before the facial spot we love they have a lot of great products guys there's a brand called mara m-a-r-a they have an algae enzyme cleansing oil and i kind of like cleansing oil i've used a couple different ones before guys like from one love organics because it's a great way where if you like not like I don't wear a lot of makeup at all. It's like more so kind of just like skincare at the end of the day. It's great to use a cleansing oil sometimes instead of just a cleanser because for me, otherwise my skin can get too dehydrated or it can feel, you know, too almost like Jimmy has sensitive skin kind of too and I have some sensitized parts. It's very gentle. And this cleanser, Jamie, actually has chia and moringa oil in it, which is so awesome. So all about, guys, superfoods for your face. And the bottle is beautiful. I'm sorry. But it's like uh, it's like an ombre, like blue to black. Chic as hell. And it's just like 
it's, it's a very nice cleansing oil. So big fun fact. And I never heard of the brand Mara before. So yeah, I'm into I never it. Heard of it either. It's like M A R A. It's all caps. And I'm like, I got to look more into it. But very intrigued by the product. I've used it several times and I'm a big fan. Yeah. And then last two little things, guys. These are kind of like unique, not skincare stuff. Jamie Trader Joe favorite. I've recently tried, guys, after seeing a lot of people that I know of that have purchased, they have almond butter granola. Do you know how fantastic this is, Jamie? Okay. You guys, some granola, everyone to beware, some granola can be very, very much full of sugar. So just like obviously, you know, kind of you you either balance yourself out, figure out what you're going to do. I don't have granola every day at all. But I like to kind of sometimes add like texture to top of my smoothies or blends. So if not cacao nibs or goji berries, I'll do like granola on top. This almond butter granola, guys, is literally just like oats, almond butter, and like something else in the granola Trader Joe's. Of course, there are things in it too. But friends, it's found at local Trader Joe's and it's so good. Honestly, I feel like it's a it's a newer kind of item. I feel like I haven't seen for the longest time, okay. but big fan, Jamie. It's not like I said, not too sweet. Like I said, obviously there's like more sugar in it probably than you should have very often. But I just like got it the other day, and I've had it a couple times this week, and just like life changing. It's a different. It's like you didn't know you needed that much almond butter in your life. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so love I love it. that. And last thing, this is different. I haven't even mentioned to you yet, Jamie. So friends. There's apparently some new app. It just dropped January 1st. So, oh shit, get ready. This is what the cool thing is. It's regards to sleep slash meditation. There's an app called Wave, W-A-V-E. It's a free, like a meditation sleep app. You guys, I already have Headspace and Calm. Yes, I'm aware. A lot of those guys, they're great. However, I don't pay for any of these. So sometimes you have very limited options by having like there's just a free, you don't need a free version, Jamie. And yeah. so... The extra cool fact is this app called Wave has like a sleep cast. They're like live sleep cast, Jamie. So it's like they have a person reading a story to you and you're like one of a thousand people on, or a million people like at the same time listening, but you don't see them. So it's kind of like a cool community thing. You, I'm so into this. Like just listen to us for the first time and I woke up in the morning. It's like, do you fall asleep listening to this? It's like, yes, I did. It's a cool, it's a cool thing. Super new app. It's free. It's called Wave and the personal touches that. It is co-founded by the husband of Sarah Larson Levy, who is the founder of Y7 Yoga Studio in New York City. Jamie, I told you, I, know, I told you, I know her. I told you through like a surf set friend. I heard talk to her a little bit. So they're and they're so they're all about like peace and meditation and calm. Yep, yep. And her, like I said, her husband, her husband, because she's married, obviously, like has a kid now. Her husband co-founded this app, Mason. And it, like I said, it just dropped January first, guys. So it's super new. And I'm sharing it because Jamie, I think you and I maybe discussed before, but like I've never been the best sleeper. Jamie and I both discussed sleep is kind of like a unique animal for all of us to conquer, especially in high times of stress and being home more than usual and pandemic and political cuck of hell and just everything. You know what I mean? It's like sleep can get very bumpy. So I like it, guys. It's a free option. Like I said, it's a sleep cast, meaning, you know, they kind of tell you like a bedtime story. But honestly, it's more so kind of just like soothing, like like a spa music kind of like vibe to it, Jamie, too. You, like I told you, I don't even know what kind of trance put me in. I felt like I was in acupuncture and just kind of like going under and like a very like, I don't know. It's beautiful, friends, and I had to mention because they never mention a lot of apps, and it's like a fun yeah. new thing, guys, and it's good for your body and mind. Can I so. just mention one thing about Headspace? Um, yeah. Guys, if you're listening and you're on Weight Watchers, don't forget in the Weight Watchers app, you do have access to Headspace through that because you pay for Weight Watchers unless you're a lifetime member. Um, so just FYI, like, I, I always forget about that, um, but you can, act, you can uh, get Headspace through Weight Watchers. Jimmy, do you have like a headspace like a like because of Weight Watchers? Like you go like in the app membership. and it's there, like on the homepage. Do you have Jimmy then access to like the non-free version of Headspace for yourself? I haven't 
tried it. I tried Headspace once and I was like, I can't do this. You're not into so, it. You can't yeah, do that. I'd rather do my live meditation. Yeah, I started doing a meditation oh. class, guys. Um, I'd rather do that because it's just like, it's a little bit better. Yep. That's what I'm saying to me. That's why I think that's why I like the Wave app I'm saying. So far, like I said, I used it literally just last night for the first time, but I had to mention today because unlike I said, Calm and Headspace, like I said, I mean, I like, I feel like Calm had different kind of like soundscapes that I love kind of like different like energies and vibes kind of just like drift off to sleep too and like white noise, but not in a white right. noise machine way. And I think Wave I told you is cool how there's like I said, guys, some speaking to it, but it's not like, you know, someone's telling you a story where you can't like get out of your brain. It's kind of like very like soothing, but it's not like annoying if that makes sense. It's almost yeah, like yeah, like yeah. A, you know what I mean, Jamie? It's like, it's I like used to Del- a podcast called Sleep With Me, which is still on. And oh, cute. I because, like, he started having so many ads. I was like, I can't fall asleep to this. Oh, uh, that's a pain in the butt. I mean, I get yeah. it for payment, but dude. But it used, like, to, it used to make me fall asleep instantly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, guys. Like, I just tried Wave last night, and I was like, this is what I needed. Because I, yeah, especially on the weekends, I feel like, well, nights I don't, just, yes, for personal reasons and whatnot, it's just very helpful to have that. And I'm a big fan, like I said. Plus the fact that I'm like, I abstractly know the person involved is also even more exciting. And it's just great to support it because, like I said, they've done so well with Y7. The fact that, like I said, her husband helped Sarah I basically like, like create the business that Y7 is. She's basically the main head of it all. But um, the fact that he co-founded this with someone else is just – it's just cool beans. It's, like, really exciting. Yeah. So I love it, friends. I know this is a long episode. Hope everybody enjoyed you guys' the conversation again. Many thanks to Jamie's mom, Lori. It's so awesome, guys. We never have guests on. We, we're choosy about it. You know what I mean? Because obviously it's a longer episode and it's a big conversation. So it was great to have a plus one on the pod today. Yeah. I think she had fun. She hasn't done anything like that. And maybe we'll post. I have a photo actually of her with Oprah and Gail and her friend Morgan. So we can post it on the pod. Jamie, yeah. Oh, my God. You. Let's. Well, totally, guys. We will post that before this episode comes out so when this episode is available you'll see yeah. a picture on social we'll like pair it up so. also my mom does not have social media unfortunately um i keep telling her she should for her acting but um she does not have any social media so uh we can't i can't link anything to her um she also didn't want me to mention her last name so um but anyway uh we'll link all of our favorites below at least so you guys have all good friends and keep following us at, at omg stop pod and new episodes Coming at you every Tuesday. Yep. I'm Krista. I'm Jamie. See you next time.